Amen. The amazing grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came and He died on the cross for our sins. If you have your Bibles this morning, open to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. I want to talk to you this morning on the topic, Praying with Power. In Acts chapter 4, we see the birth of the early church, and we see that within the early church, that, that there was a there, there, there was a power in their prayer. When the early church prayed, things happened. And I'm wondering today if things really happen uh, through our praise. Does prayer really get to God the way it used to here at the beginning of the early church? Now let's see what took place when the early church got together and they were serious about prayer and how the power that resulted as a result of their praying together. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 31. Now keep your Bibles open after we read this, because we're going to go back here in Acts chapter 4 and look at some other verses. And when they had prayed, don't miss this, when they had gathered together and they had prayed, the Bible tells us the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, they were of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which uh, he possessed his, was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power gave the uh, apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the great grace which was upon them all. In my lifetime, I have been in three earthquakes. I don't know if anybody, has anybody else been in an earthquake? Okay, Pam has, okay. We have a couple that I've had. But in my lifetime, I've been in three earthquakes. One in Brazil, one in Chile, and one in Argentina, not yeah, Peru. One in Brazil, Chile, and Peru. And I've never been at the epic center of one. However, the earthquake I was in in Chile was a 7.1, and where I was, trust me, I felt it. We was in, 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 uh, in Chile, and, you know, we was up in a hotel about the, I don't know, 12th, 14th floor, and that whole building was kind of shaking and swaying just a little bit. And, you know, so I've never been at the epic center, but I have felt the way the ground shakes and trembles. I've felt buildings as they begin to sway and as they begin to tremble. And I say that to say this, there was a time when Christians could pray and it would shake the world around them. That's what we see in our scripture text here this morning. Their prayers had the power to shake the earth, so to speak. Their prayers had the power to change lives around them. But what has happened to the ability of God's people, what has happened to the ability of Christians when it comes to the power of prayer? Has God changed? and doesn't answer prayer the way he used to, with the same power that he used to? Or have we changed and we're not praying any longer with the passion as did these in Acts chapter 4? Look, I believe if the church is going to make a difference for God in this 21st century that we're in, you know, if this generation of Christians is going to turn America back to God, folks, we've got to get back to the seriousness 
of praying to God. We've got to get back to the seriousness of the first century church and what they had. We need to get back to the model, the pattern, and the paradigm of the early church. You know, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture, you know, we see in, in uh, uh, Colossians, I mean, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, is if my people, which are called by not my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their, uh, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, then. Now, you see, there's some conditions here. If we'll humble ourselves, pray, seek the face of God, then God is going to hear. Then God is going to answer. Then will he hear from heaven. Then will he hear, uh, forgive our sin. Then will he hear our land. Folks, I don't believe the people of the United States of America, the Christian people of the United States of America, are truly humbling ourselves when we go to God in prayer. I don't think we're truly seeking the face of God when we go in prayer. And I know for a fact we're not turning from our wicked ways. Look, if we want the power of the early church in our praise, folks, we've got to get back to praying as they did. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, you know, you know the church of Jerusalem had grown, now think of this, from 120 people to over 20,000 members in one week. Think about that. 120 members. They got together. They prayed. God shook the place. And within a week, 20,000 members. Look, wouldn't it be great if God would do that again? Wouldn't it be wonderful if he did it in our churches in America? But as I look around, folks, I see just the opposite happening. Now, in the last 30 years, we've seen a downward spiral in our church attendance and a downward spiral in baptism. Now, I couldn't find the statistics I was looking for with the BMA, but I did find them in the Southern Baptist Convention. In 2019, the annual report of the Southern Baptist Convention showed that the, the Southern Baptist uh, Convention in 2018 lost 2% of its membership, which was the largest drop in 100 years. Now, you say, well, 2% is not that bad. Listen, that 2% resulted in a loss of 288,000 people in one year. Think about that. A loss in 2018 of 288,000 members. That was before COVID, probably since COVID, since 2020. I bet that figure's even gone down even more because our churches are not, you know, full like they was prior to COVID. People don't come to church no more like they did, you know, prior to COVID. People are content sitting in their pajamas, you know, maybe watching on Facebook or whatever. But people aren't content, you know, a meeting in the house of God, you know, they're, they're forsaking the assembling of themselves together. Look, we got a good following on Facebook, uh, probably a number of people watching this morning. But folks, that's not what it's all about. It's about assembling ourselves together, serving one another, worshiping, you know, God together. But when you lose 288,000 people in one year, folks, that's a problem. That's a problem. Look, what is it going to take to reverse this downward spiral within our churches and within our nation? What must Christians begin doing to once again be that salt and that light in this world in which we live? Look, it all begins with prayer. That's where it began in the early church from 120 to uh, oh, 20,000 in one week because they got together and they prayed. 
Look, it all begins with prayer. And look, not just any kind of prayer, but prayer with a discerning perspective, prayer that has a divine purpose, prayer that has a dynamic power, prayer that, 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 that will once again shake the foundations of those around us. Prayer that will once again change life. Prayer that will not only get America back on track, but prayer that, that gives the church back the power that it once possessed. So I want to go back for a few moments to the early church and see just what it was that was the key for them in shaking the world around them. You see, the New Testament church was a praying church, and that's why it was a powerful church. Look, we must understand that there's power in prayer. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. In Mark 9, 29, Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out. He was talking to his disciples who was not able to, you know, to tap into that power and, and, and uh, uh, some demon possessed uh, with people. And Jesus said, this kind cannot be driven out but by anything with prayer. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe and you will receive and it will be yours. In John 14, 13, Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. But then he said, that the Father may be glorified. You see, if our prayers are going to be answered, our prayers need to be in line with the will of God so that God will be glorified. That's what Jesus says. You may ask anything in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. You ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And then we see Peter in Acts chapter 9, verse 40. You know, uh, you know, Tabitha was dead there, and he knelt down and he prayed beside the body, and he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. She saw Peter, and she sat up. There was power in Peter's prayer. There was power in, in Peter's prayer. Look, the power of prayer does not flow from us. We need to understand that. The power of prayer does not flow from us. It's not special words that we say or a special way that we say them. or it, It's not even a position that we get into. The power of prayer is not based on you know, how we position our body. The power of prayer does not come from any artifacts where you sit candles up or, or hold a crucifix or hold beads or anything like that. You know, the power of prayer comes from our omnipotent God who hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. Look, prayer places us in contact with the almighty creator of this universe. And we should expect almighty work. Look, Whatever the answer to our prayer is, the God to whom we pray is the source of the power in that prayer. Nothing that we do other than being obedient to his word. And he can and he will answer us according to his perfect will. Now, let's say, let's, three things, three questions to consider. Okay, if you're if this morning after this lesson, you say, I'm going to do what I can to change my prayer life. Here's three questions first you must ask yourself. You know, when we decide to get serious about our praying and not simply just go through the motion, let's begin with this. Do I truly pray? Now think about that. Do you truly pray? Now I'm not talking here about uh, now I lay me down to sleep prayer when you lay your head on the pillow at night. 
I'm not talking about a through the uh, teeth and past the gums, look out stomach, here it comes when we're sitting down to eat. Folks, I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about serious prayer with God. I'm talking about quality time spent with God on a daily basis. Now, I'm on, I'm on metal here instead of preach. But does my prayer time equal my TV time? I know, that's meddling, isn't it? Does my prayer time equal my TV time? Look, what is more important to you? Stop and think about this. What is more important to you? Time spent with your favorite television program, except for Gunsmoke, Mama, except for Gunsmoke. Time spent with your favorite television program or time spent with God? Seriously, think about that. You know, if, you're, if you are truly desiring to hear from God, folks, we're going to be willing to sacrifice in order to make that happen. We've got to sacrifice some things in order to make that happen. You know, are you willing to fast when you pray? Are you willing to show God how serious you are and you fast during your time of prayer? Are you willing to give up something that is taking your time away from God in order to hear from God. The third question to consider is this. If everyone in this church prayed like me, okay, would God look at this church as a praying church or would he look at this church as a church in need of prayer? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? If everyone prayed like me, how would God view this church? Would he view it as a praying church? Or would he view it as a church in need of prayer? I want to suggest to you that the reason we don't see God's power within our churches is because we do not pray as the early church prayed. The place where they were meeting, we're told, it was shaken because the reason it was shaken is because they tapped into that power of prayer that was available to them. Now, the second thing is this. We must keep things in proper perspective when we pray. Here's what I'm talking about there. If we want to pray with power, if we want to, uh, God to make his presence known, if we want him to, to shake the church house, then we must pray with a proper perspective. We need to get some things in perspective here, okay? We must keep things in proper order. Now, what is the proper perspective? that we're talking about. First of all, we have to understand this, the perspective of God. Their perspective of God was that God was sovereign. They understood that, they believed that, they prayed on that. Look, and, and, and when look at verse 24a, going back down there to 24a. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said this, Lord, thou art God. They recognized God for who he truly was. They went on to say, which has made the heaven, which has made the earth, which has made the sea, and you are the God that's made everything that is in them. They recognized the sovereignty of God. Notice what they said. We, when we saw God sovereign, they saw themselves as servants. You see, when we truly get a proper perspective of God, his sovereignty, we're going to see ourselves as servants. I'll talk about that in just a moment. Look, I'm afraid that many within our churches today truly don't see God as sovereign. They, they don't see God 
as holy. In fact, many do not even view God as the creator of all that is. You see, but this early church, they saw God as the almighty creator. They had a proper perspective of God. What did they say? Lord, you have made the heaven, you have made the earth, you have made the sea, you have made everything that is in them. You are the one who weighs the mountains. You are the one that holds the seven seas in the palm of your hand. You are the one, they said to God, who divided the sea for Moses. You are the God that brought down the walls of Jericho. You are the God who, who delivered Goliath into the hands of, of David. You are the God who delivered the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace. You are the God you know, who came in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. You are the God who commanded the winds and the waves to cease and the seas got calm. You are the one who was able to cast out demons, who was able to raise the dead. You are the God who will execute judgment at the end of this age. The God of great power, the God of great glory. You know, you are the living God. There is no other. When was the last time you went to God and recognized him as sovereign and creator of all that was? That's how they started their prayer, recognizing the sovereignty of God. And when we realize the sovereignty of God, when we recognize the sovereignty of God, we see ourselves for what we truly are. Church, if there's to be powers in our prayer, praying, we have to get a perspective of the one true God. Now, what was their perspective of themselves? Service. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Now, look at what he says. And grant unto thy servants with, uh, that with all boldness, we may speak the word. Now, they saw themselves as servants. Lord, grant unto your slaves. Look, once we have God in our proper perspective, we must then see ourselves for who we truly are. We must put ourselves in proper perspective. Don't miss the perspective they had of themselves. Our desire should be to speak the word with boldness. In other words, once we recognize that we're servants, you know, our desire as being servants should be proclaim the word of God to a lost and a dying world. What did he say? They say, Lord, grant to your slaves, your bond slaves, what? That we may be rich, that we may be famous, that we may be popular? No, that we may speak your word with boldness. In other words, they was wanting to be a reflection of God. They was wanting to share the word of God. Now, I submit to you that the reason why many in our prayer, of our prayers go unanswered is because, folks, we don't have these proper perspectives. In 1973, I owned a 69 Chevelle, and I had a bumper sticker. I, I, was, I was real religious and spiritual, okay, at that time. But I had a bumper sticker on the back of it that said, God is my co-pilot. I was letting everybody you know, know that God was my co-pilot. And I felt like, boy, I'm a spiritual person. I'm proclaiming the word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm getting his word out there. I thought I was being a very spiritual person and making a bold statement to those that are around me. However, that bumper sticker actually showed my immaturity as a Christian rather than my maturity as a Christian. At 20 years old, I thought I was really spiritual. You see, Jesus shouldn't have been my co-pilot. Jesus should have been my pilot. Okay? 
Jesus should have been the one behind the pilot wheel. And I should have been the one in the co-pilot seat. See, I didn't have a proper perspective at 20 years old. I hope I do now. I think I do now. Look, I am his servant. And he is my absolute sovereign God. He calls the shots. He makes the decisions. He charts the course. And once we get that proper perspective, folks, of ourselves, we understand that. Look, even Jesus understood that when he was on the earth. You remember, you know, there in Philippians 2, 5 through 7, Paul said this, he had this to say, let this mind be in you. In other words, let this way of thinking, let this perspective be in you that was in Christ Jesus. What did he say? Who being in the form of God, I mean, he, he, he was God in the flesh, thought it not robbery, robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, and he took on the form of a what? Servant. Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. So even Jesus understood this perspective, that he was a servant to God. God was sovereign. He was a servant. Look, do you want God to answer more of your prayers? Do you want God, do you want to see God bring revival and awakening to our nation? Do you want to see him move with power and great glory the way he did with the early church? Then we've got to get a right perspective of God. We've got to get a right uh, perspective of ourselves. We've got to submit ourselves to the sovereign Lord and acknowledge that in our prayers. Now, what was the purpose of the prayer? Look at verse 29 and 30. Did they go to God wanting things? Did they go to Jesus with, with a Christmas list saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, just like many of us do? Let's look at this. Verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak the word. They was wanting to speak the word of God. They was wanting to share the word of God. God. They was wanting God to give them the power in order that they should, could share his word with a lost and a dying world. And then they went on in verse 30, by stretching forth, how are they going to do it? By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of the church, in the name of myself, in the name of Jesus Christ. So everything they wanted to do, folks, was focused on Jesus so that God would be glorified. Now, the next thing we see here is not only with their perspective in their prayers, but there was also a purpose in their prayers. Look, if you pray with the wrong purpose, you're not going to see no power in your prayer. Look at the purpose. The threefold purpose of their prayer was this look look at these verses first of all verse 29 that they would speak God's word that was the first purpose Lord we want to come to you we want to recognize you as sovereign we want to recognize ourselves as servants for the purpose of being able to speak your word look first they prayed that God would enable them to speak his word look again at verse 29 is that the desire of your heart, that you would obey the great commission and spread the good news of Jesus Christ? Lord, give me more boldness to speak your word. 
Look, if you want to see some real change within this church, if you want to see some real change within Lufkin, Texas, within Angelina County, within the state of Texas, within the United States of America, within the world, if you really want to see some real change, then our prayers must not only contain a request for boldness to spread the word, but we also must do it. Look at the next thing they said in verse 38, that God's hand would be outstretched. Now, don't miss this. They prayed, we, we want your hand outstretched. First of all, give us boldness to speak your word. Second of all, so that your hand can be outstretched. Now, you look at that and you say, now, wait a minute. Jesus is in heaven, and yet they're praying, Lord, stretch out your hand. Is he going to stretch his hand all the way out from heaven? Look, what hands did Jesus have if he was in heaven? He had their hands. Don't miss this. He had their hands. They were saying, Lord, not only do we want to be your mouth, Lord, we want to be your hands also. We want to be the hands that touch others, that touch the life of others. Lord, we want to be your hands. Think about it for a moment. When was the last time you went to God in prayer and instead of asking him for your Christmas list, you asked him to speak to you, through you, the word of God? and use your hands to make a difference in the lives of others. When was the last time you did that? Maybe it's been too long. Maybe it's been too long. Listen, even though the Lord Jesus has gone to heaven, he still has a body here on this earth. And that body, folks, is his church. That we are his hands, we are his heart, we are his feet, we are his lips. The question is, are you making yourself available to him through your prayers? You know, are you in the habit of saying, Lord, these lips are your lips. Lord, these hands are your hands. Lord, these feet are your feet. Lord, use me for your will in order to bring honor and glory to the Father. So here's their prayer so far. Lord, we want to speak your word. Lord, we want to stretch your hand to this earth. And the third thing they prayed is that all of this would be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Not for myself, not so others will look at me, but in the name of Jesus Christ. What did they say in verse 30b? That signs and wonders may be done in the name of the holy child, Jesus Christ. What they were basically saying is this, Lord, let us align all we do with your will. Let us align all we do with your name. Look, as his servants, we need to align ourselves with the will and the purpose of God, not our own will and not our own purpose. We need to align our hearts with his hearts. We need to, uh, you know, we, we need to line up our plans with his plans. Praying in the name of Jesus means this. I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase it. I want to throw it up here on the screen for you. Lord, on the basis of my relationship with you, through the sacrifice of your son, and in accordance to with your will, and under the, your authority, and under your power, and for your honor, and for your glory, I am praying these things. I want Jesus to be worshipped. I want Jesus to be praised. I want Jesus to be glorified. See, that's what our prayer ought to be saying, that everything we're asking for, everything we're desiring to do, would be for the honor and the glory 
of Jesus Christ. In short, they were praying that somehow God would enable them to, to stay in sync with his will and bring glory to Jesus. Lord, we want to speak your word. We want to stretch forth your hands. We want to align ourselves with your will. That's the kind of prayer that pleases God, and that's the kind of prayer that God will answer. I challenge you to examine your heart because, you know, I'm convinced that, that, that we need to raise the level of our praying. We need to get out uh, of the realm of our selfish desires and, and raise it to a level to the sovereign will of God. You see, prayer is more than a task to-do list, okay? It's a precious gift of intimacy between the God of the universe and his image bearers. Now, the fourth and final thing is this. God answers of this prayer. We see in verse 31 through 33. First of all, they were filled with the Spirit. Because they prayed this kind of prayer, because they understood God's perspective, their perspective, what they were asking for is not anything for themselves but to bring honor and glory to God. They were filled with the Spirit, we're told. They had prayed, Lord, give, give us courage to speak your word, give us compassion to stretch out your hand, uh, and, and give us a craving to exalt your Son. They had prayed with purpose, and because of that, folks, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God. Church, we need power for today in our prayers. So many times I've heard people talk about what happened in church 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. You know what? I could care less what happened in church 20, 30, 40 years ago. What's happening today? What's happening today? That's what matters. That's what matters. All that's good what happened in the past, but what is happening now? What is God doing in the church today? What is God doing in your life today? Is God hearing your prayers? Are you being filled with the Spirit? The next thing we see there is this. They were unified. You see, when we're all seeking God, when we're all in, in, in sincere prayer, when we're all recognizing God's sovereignty, all recognizing our position, all, you know, praying that we, we could just be used of God, our hands, our mouth, everything, it brought unity to the church. So many times we hear, all we hear about churches is, and all they do down there at that church is fight one another. I, I was at a church one time, and I pastored a church, actually my first church, and, you know, I, I went through the area, the, you know, the first, you know, year I was there, I went to every house probably within a three-mile radius of that church. And I had the same thing said to me time and time and time again. They can't get along with one another down at that church. How are they going to get along with me? And that's the way the community felt. I was there 12 and a half years, okay? The pastor that followed me, after he had been there about six, eight months, he called me up. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, I've been going around the community visiting and I've had people say that that church can't get along with one another. They sure ain't going to get along with me. You see, that, how sad it is, that was the idea of the community. And let me tell you, Brenda and Jimmy was there with me, you know. Uh, you know the church grew and grew and grew, and that, that was gone. 
everybody was in one accord. But you know what? The rumor within the community was still there. Was still there. We had very few people from the community come. You know, when was the last time you heard somebody say about a church, boy, there's some positive things happening down there? Boy, that church on the corner, you know, you know, they really love one another and get along with one another. You know, how would, how, wouldn't it be nice to have people say, you know, I, I've, seen, I've never seen people get along the way they do at that church at the corner. Wouldn't it be nice to hear people say, that church down on the corner, boy, they'll share Jesus Christ with anyone and everyone? Look, wouldn't you like for that to be said about all churches in America? It could be if we would follow these principles found in our scripture text this morning when it comes to prayer. The final thing is this. We see in verse 33a, they were empowered. And great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Understand that the Holy Spirit does not fill you just so you can feel good. You know, that's what some people think. Boy, the Holy Spirit come upon me and I just felt so good. But the Holy Spirit doesn't fill you just so you can feel good. He fills you so that you can witness and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And he gives us that power for that purpose. In Acts 1, Luke had this to say. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you in order to make you feel good. In order to make you high? No, what did he say? In order that you can be witnesses to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit, not to run around a room, not to fall out on the floor and flop around like a fish, not to, you know, jump up and down and say, boy, I feel good. No, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you for the purpose of being witnesses of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when the Spirit filled them, that with great power they continued to, what, bear witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look, prayer and power, they go together, but they go together for the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Church, there is power in prayer. There is power in his name. There is power in his blood. There is power in his gospel. There is power within his church. And my prayer is that God would turn that power loose on the hearts and the souls of our churches, the people in our churches. And as a result, people would be saved. Life would be changed. And this nation would once again be claimed for the glory of God. But you know, in order for that to happen, it has to begin with the people of God. That's how it began in Acts chapter 4, with the people of God. And if it's going to happen again, it must start with the people of God returning to the first century type of praise. You know, when they got through praying, as God was looking down on the sincerity of their prayer, as God was looking down, you know, how they viewed him as sovereign, how they viewed themselves as, as servants, as God looked down and he saw that, you know, they just wanted this power in order to proclaim Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. As God looked down and he saw that they prayed, let us be your hands, let us be your voice, let us be your feet. You know what God said? Hey, 
men. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And he sent the Holy Spirit. What happened when that Holy Spirit hit? Boom, the earthquake. That was God's way of saying, right on. Right on. When was the last time God said, right on to your prayer life? We have to get back to sincerity in our prayers. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you, you don't have no power in your prayer. In fact, the only prayer that God will hear from you is, Lord, save me, a sinner. Now, once that happens, then you're able to tap into what we've looked at here this morning and begin to ask God to allow you to be his hands, be his feet, be his voice to a lost and dying world. Child of God, you're already saved, but again, look at those three questions in your notes that I, we went over. Do you truly pray? Do you truly pray? What is it you sacrifice or if you sacrifice in order to have quality time with God? And if God looked at you, would he say about our church, if everyone prayed like you, this church would shake too? Or would God look at you and say, well, if that church is just like you, somebody needs to pray for that church. Let the Holy Spirit move upon your heart this morning. Let's pray. I'll worship you for